Praise the Lord. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord uh, and to worship with all of you. Uh, it is uh, always an honor. So great. Uh, so great to have a white man at my feet. We have. We've made it. And so I am uh, extremely honored uh, to be here. Always a blessing to see all of you and to, uh, and to worship with all of you. So great to be with uh, our good friends, the Browns, and, um, and also my children are with me. We had a, a good day uh, on Friday, and then uh, yesterday they had a bunch of fun out here in SoCal. So uh, always good to be here. Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to be reading verse 14 and then verse 17 through verse 21. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, and then also verse 17 through verse 21. Amen. And the Bible reads as so in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Verse 17 through verse 21. Recompense to no man evil for evil. But provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as, much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, and that is, give place unto the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Basically, what he is saying is, look, <clears throat> there is a evil that is going to come upon you as men begin to curse you and they begin to persecute you. But there is a way that you can overcome the evil that was supposed to get to you, and that is by doing good. And so today I'm just I'm going to try to uh, keep in line with the uh, emotional emphasis that is being placed here in this house. And so I'd like to speak to you here for several minutes on this subject, reverse the curse. Reverse the curse. There is a way that you can reverse the evil that was supposed to come to you, you overcome evil and there is a way that you can do it by doing good. Father, we bless you here today and we ask in your name that uh, you would provide us with an understanding of what thus saith the Lord. Give me, God, a, an ability to dissect your word and to be honest with the text and that uh, I may be able to exegete to the best of my ability and to show myself a, uh, an approved worker that need not to be ashamed. But I pray, O oh God, that your will be done here. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me to speak the oracles of God as an oracle of God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Before you're seated, turn about two or three people. Tell them how happy you are that they're in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I must be extremely honest with you here this morning, uh, this afternoon now, but um, the Word of God 
doesn't always bode well with me. I know I'm, I'm a preacher and I'm a Christian, uh, but the word of God, it messes me up, really messes me up. And it's easy to proclaim that we are doers of the word until we actually read it. And then when you read the words and understand the words of Jesus, uh, then you realize perhaps I'm not a doer of the word as much as I thought I was. Because his words are easy to preach, but they're not very easy to practice. As a matter of fact, a lot of his own disciples left them in John chapter 6 after hearing his words because his words tend to contradict my sinful nature. And that doesn't always bode well with me. The word of God demands that I be different. And naturally, that does not concur with my flesh. See, his word it does not only come to massage you and make you feel good about life. And, uh, you know, I saw, uh, I saw an advertisement the other day of a church that was opening up in New York. And the, the pastor said, come on out and, you know, listen to the word of God. And it would help you to deal with the problems of your day. And it would help you, uh, your emotions change and make you happy. And I thought for a second, you know, you've got to be a, a true mature mature Christian for the word of God to make you happy and to be a delight unto you as you meditate. But you know, the word of God does not always make you happy. I mean, there's some things in the word of God that are going to contradict what you've been living and how you've been talking and how you've been acting and what you've been thinking about. There are some things in there. I mean, the Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and of the intents of the heart. The word of God does not just massage you, it cuts you to the heart. That is the purpose of the word of God. It had a cut, cut, cut you. And his word is a mirror. It reflects your imperfections. His word is a hammer. It's what Jeremiah says. It says, it's not my word like as a fire saith the Lord and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces and that's what the word of God came to do to change you and to mold you and to reflect your image until you are made into the image of a perfect man and you have the height and the length and the depth of a perfect man called Jesus and I've heard some people say, you know, I want to be a Christian, but I want to go to a church that does not demand too much from me. And friends, let me tell you something. If that's what you want to do, then go to a church that does not preach the word of God. Because that's the main purpose of the word of God. It is to show you and to lead you. His, his word is like a lamp unto your feet. It will guide you into all truth. And that's what the word of God does. One of the things that cuts me to the heart, because it is so different than what my fleshly desires desire to do, is a topic that I'll be discussing here with you today. You see, I love reading the Bible. I do it on a daily basis. But I don't like reading about this topic. The Bible commands me to bless those who curse me. I don't know about you, but that topic does not concur with me. You see, in the natural, when someone does something that offends me or highly hurts me, I desire to reciprocate his or her actions. That's what I want to do. And it, it is natural to respond to negative offenses caused by others because one of the things that we naturally defend more than anything in this world is called our ego. 
And when my ego has been assaulted, it has been whipped or hurt or offended, I will go to great lengths to defend it from the injustices of the world. If you strike me, I will go to great lengths. The only way that I can salvage my own ego is if I strike you back in the same manner that you struck me. The only way that I can salvage my ego is if I defend it and let people know that I still have something to be prideful about you know and that it is naturally it is natural to respond that way that's that it's the reason why if you strike a kid if you strike your kid or son or daughter you know and and you do it in private it doesn't matter how hard you do it they will feel it less than if you do it in public it would hurt them that much more it is not so much because of the physical punishment that you have uh, placed on them but because their ego has has been hurt. You have embarrassed them in front of their friends, in front of peers, in front of people. And so that is what they're defending. It is not so much that they, they're defending their physical pain. They're defending the fact that their ego was whipped and hurt. And it is natural to react this way. In all of us, there is this natural ego that we must defend. And that's why at the very outset of our Christian walk, a warning is given to every believer that will help them to with the commandments of Jesus Christ because it is not natural to fulfill the commandments of Jesus Christ. It is not innately put in us to fulfill the commandments of Christ. And so he said, if any man comes unto me, there is something you must do if you want to be my disciple. You must deny yourself because self will always get in the way of fulfilling my commandments. So deny self. And as you deny self, then as you trust me, I will help you to fulfill the commandments of Jesus Christ and my Bible commands me that I must deny myself and that I must react unnaturally when I am placed in situations that highly hurt me this subject was a very common one among the disciples and apostles and even Jesus in scriptures and see, we oftentimes claim to be, some of us here, not, not everyone, but sometimes we claim to be apostolic. And wh Why are we apostolic? It's because, uh, well, it's supposed to be because we adhere to the apostles' doctrine. And, and doctrine in scripture just plainly means teachings. And so if you really want to be apostolic and apostolic in doctrine, which is teachings, you've got to follow all of the apostles' teachings. Well, if you really want to be apostolic, I'll give you an apostolic teaching you ought to live by. Listen to what the apostle Peter had to say on this subject. This is what he said. He said, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful. And that word has obviously evolved to mean you know, you don't. You know, you're just pitiful. Uh, you're dreadful. But, uh, but when he, when the King James version uses it, it may it means have pity on someone. You know, and so uh, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, nor railing. Railing means slander, nor slander for slander, but contrarywise, blessing. Blessing, knowing that they, ye are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. So this is what Peter says. He says, listen, I'm not asking you to render evil for evil. I'm not asking you to be natural in your response and your reaction when people hurt you and assault you and persecute you. Do not respond slander for slander. Do not go back and post on your Facebook wall what they just posted on yours do not you know I just, I just saw it the other day I just saw it the other day I guess that some girl went out and cheated on her man and so somebody posted a picture of that and the guy comes back the next day and puts on his profile picture him eating out with another girl out to dinner and so you see it all the time and you see it everywhere and I'm telling you this is our natural reaction this is what we want to do 
If you do it to me, boy, let me tell you something. I grew up in the 80s in the South Bronx. I am the king of your mama jokes. You do not come at me and, and, ex, and not expect to get it back. And so that, you know, that's what I'm telling you. If you do it, if you talk about my mama, I'm going to talk about your mama. This is the way we did it. You know, you talk about my mama, I'm going to say, you know, your, your mama's so ugly. She, she looks like she could get a job at the airport sniffing luggage. But, uh, you know, we're not... We're not going to dwell. <laughs> oh, man, your mama's eyes so cross-eyed that when she cries, her tears go down her back. <laughs> they call her bacteria. <laughs> but we're not, we're not going to go there this morning. <clears throat> so that's what, that's what nature wants to do wants to reciprocate. But my Bible commands me not to do it. It commands me to react unnaturally when I'm placed in these situations. Now I want to I want to ask you something because Peter said you must bless those who curse you. Then Paul also says bless those who curse you. And Jesus also said bless those who curse you. So I, I want to I know what is a blessing? What is a blessing? Because if it is a blessing that's going to reverse my curse, then I want to know what do I have to do in order to bless somebody? And now there's, you know, the word has, uh, uh, there's different senses for different tenses in the Bible. And every word is dictated by its context and what word is used. But the word that is mainly used when they say bless those who curse you, the word blessing comes from the very Greek word that means in our language, the root word for the English word eulogy. Eulogy. When someone eulogizes a loved one at a funeral, they speak or write praises about that. You never go to a funeral where people are like, you know, this guy was a pimp. You know, he was out, uh, you know, abusing such and such. I mean, the guy could be the worst guy on earth. But on the eulogy, you know, we are so glad and blessed to have his life. He was such a, uh, a manager of, of people of alternative lifestyles. And so that's the kind of stuff that you get on eulogies. Why? Because you are speaking or writing praises about a person. You are, you are giving them a, you are, uh, as you eulogize them, you are blessing them. And so in the Greek dictionary, the word simply means to praise or to celebrate with praises. And then it means the invocation of blessings upon someone's life. See, in biblical times, to bless was always associated with an action but that action was especially with the invocation of blessings upon somebody you cannot bless with your intentions you cannot say okay Lord I bless them that's not what it is there has got to be a specific action required of you in order to bless and especially with your mouth it's an invocation you must bless with your action and especially especially your words. And that's why when Aaron was commanded to bless the children of Israel, he was commanded to bless them. How? By invoking praises over them and what was that it was the Lord bless thee and keep thee the Lord make his face shine upon thee the Lord be gracious upon unto thee the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace and this was a blessing that was uttered God commanded him to bless the people him and his sons to bless the people in this manner and so this was the spoken blessing that was put on them. Can I tell you, a spoken blessing is a very important act around friends and around family members and around children. And I urge you, if you are a parent here in this house, if you are a father of a household, a mother of your household, I urge you and encourage you, bless your children. Pray with your children. Speak words of blessings upon them. Your words have meaning. Your words hold weight. Your words are not 
empty. Your words are not vain. They have meaning. There is the life. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And you've got to open up your mouth and speak these words upon your children. My children who are sitting right here, they know they, they hardly ever go to sleep at night without daddy coming into the room to bless them. They know that, that we have personal devotion every single night that I'm home, that we have prayer every single night that I'm home, that there is a blessing that is put placed on them. We even pray for, we bless their future wives at times, wherever they may be, and I pray for them. I say, Lord, wherever they are, putting their little pajamas on, even right now, drinking chocolate milk, whatever they're doing, Lord, I pray you bless them for the future. Keep them for my children. I pray that you make them strong men of God, that they would grow up to have character and integrity and men of valor and men of courage. You ought to open up your mouth because there's a whole lot of cursing going on at your children's schools. The devil's bombarding them with all sorts of stuff and negative and negative statements. You've got to put a hedge around them. You've got to put a covering. You've got to say, Jesus, be a fence around my children, around my family. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I bless them. I know everybody else is failing. I know everybody else is getting addicted to pornography. But even as they grow up, Jesus, be a fence around them. I pray that you bless them. Bless their mind. Bless their health. Bless them in their future. You bless them and open up your mouth and bless. Praise the name of the Lord. But friends, can I tell you, it's easy to bless my children because they love me. I, I think you guys do, right? You, you guys love me. They love me. And so it's easy to bless those who bless us. But the commandment that was given to me is not about my children. It is not about my friends. The commandment that Jesus gave to me is to find a quality in an enemy in someone that has highly hurt you, in someone that has placed you in uncomfortable circumstances, who has broken your heart, shattered your fantasies and dreams, absolutely killed everything in you, you know, wiped away your smile. There are people who will do that to you to find a quality in them, in an opponent, in an offender, and find the quality in them that is worthy of being praised and bless them. And that does not concur with my natural desires. I'd rather fight. I'd rather kick. I'd rather curse you back. But my Bible demands of me that I bless those who have cursed me. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was the law of Moses, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But he said, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Then it says, and if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat. Let him have your cloak also. And then he says, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain, go twice, go two miles. Give to him that asketh thee and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate your enemy. But he says, but I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray 
for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You see, there are four commandments that are given to me concerning people that offend me. He said, you must love them and bless them and do good to them and pray for them. And see, we say as Christians, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the Christian thing and ignore you. But Jesus said, that's not what I asked you to do. I didn't ask you to ignore them. I didn't ask you to be reactive, but I did ask you to be proactive. I asked you to go out of your way, and if you want to overcome evil, then you can't ignore them. You must do good. Bless them that curse you. You must love your enemy. You must bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's what you must do. You must go out of your way in being proactive. You see, there's a lot of people that will say, well, you know, I... I just don't know about all that. Who, who can do that? I mean, that was Jesus. G, I mean, he's, he's Jesus. He can do that. But I can't, I mean, I can't do that. Come on. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I grew up in the ghetto, son. I, I can't. I can't. Listen to what Job did. Job said, God will testify on my behalf. And I love that. I love that because so many times, you know, well, back in the old days, you, we used to have testimony service, you know, and so they'd, they'd have, they'd have people, I remember, they'd have people come up and, you know, that's always a risk when you have people come up and take them out. You just never know what's going to happen. The absolute worst thing, uh, I'll share with you, I don't know why, but I'll share with you. The absolute worst thing that I saw was this lady trying to testify and her slip just fell. <laughs> and uh, she wasn't, you know, you just, what do you do? You know, you just ask God. You just ask people to pray, close your eyes, pray. She did not, she didn't miss a beat. She just, just walked right and just kicked it over to the ushers came, picking up the slip and walking out. But we used to have testimony service, and that's where you testify about God's greatness. But it's so impressive to me that Job said that God will stop heaven's choir and will say, Gabriel, go bring me a mic. I've got a testimony about my son Job. When God testifies about me, what will he say about me? How will he witness about me? What will he say about my character? He said, God will testify on my behalf that I did not rejoice at the destruction of him that hated me or lifted up myself when evil found him. Neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. He said, I did not rejoice at the destruction of the very person that hated me. He was destroyed, but I didn't rejoice at it. No, I did not lift myself when evil found him. I did not become prideful. And then this is what he said. I did not suffer my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. I didn't do it. I did not render evil for evil and railing for railing and slander for slander. I did not do that because it would have been sin. This is what Job said. I didn't do it. And see, Job had friends who had been accusing him and slandering his character, but he chose not to rejoice at their destruction. Job had friends who had come out. I don't know if you know all the story, but God took away every possession, everything he had. He gave the devil permission to touch Job's life and to afflict him with pain and suffering. And here is Job and somebody, I didn't say this, but somebody said that yes, we know that Job suffered a whole lot. And that devil is really smart because the devil 
went about and took everything Job had. He took away cattle. He took away home. He took away children. He took away everything. But the only reason we know that the devil knew what he was doing when he made him suffer, somebody said was that he took everything away but left his wife. I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. And here comes his friends, and his friends go, Joe, the reason you're in this situation is because, bro, you're, you're bad. You're evil. You're, you're, you're a man of, of bad character. And so Joe goes, are, are you serious? I'm in my di- I am on my deathbed. With friends like that, who needs enemies? You know, I'm on my deathbed. However, however, the Bible tells me at the end of the book of Job that the Lord turned the captivity of Job when when he had prayed for his friends. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And then it says, also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. That's what the Bible tells me. Twice as much as he had before. When? When he had prayed for his friends. It's almost as though God was up there going, Job, it's a test, buddy. It's a test, homeboy. I'm looking into your heart. I'm trying to figure out what's it. How are you going to respond now? What are you going to do in there? And the devil was going, see, Lord, you put a hedge over him. And so you gave him all this stuff. But what's in his heart is really going to be revealed once you take it away. But God said, I promise you, devil, there is a man in there that's righteous. And even in the worst of circumstances, when they offend him, when they hurt him, when they put him in situations that are uncomfortable and shatter him, he said he will come out as pure gold. He will be tested and tried. But look at him now. He kneels and says, God bless them. Lord, let nothing that come upon that came upon me come upon them. Lord, bless their homes and their children. And that they may live to live a long life with you. And give them blessings. And as he blessed them, the Lord turned his captivity. He reversed his curse. He said, it was a curse coming to you, Job. But when you bless those who curse you, I'm ready to overcome evil for you. I'm ready to reverse your curse for you. I don't know where you're at and what your situation you're in, but God is speaking to you now that the way to reverse the curse in your life is to open up your mouth and to bless those who have cursed you. It's time to let go and it's time to let go. God, do what he's got to do. Our God. While the people slandered Jesus and afflicted his soul, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Peter even said, speaking of this, that what glory is it when you are buffeted, not buffeted. That's what I'm going to do after service. But when you are buffeted for your faults, that you shall take it patiently. He said, what glory is in that? He said, but if when you do well, you suffer for it and you take it patiently, then it is acceptable with God. For even hereunto we were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should also follow his steps. That when he was Buffeted. When he was talked about, he did not respond. But what did he do? He he gave the matter. He gave the matter up to a just judge. That's what he did. So Peter said, that's the example that Jesus gave us. That while there was a crown of thorns upon him, while he was being spit, spit on and he was being whipped, he did not open his mouth to curse those who cursed him. And that's the example that Christ gave to us. And so Peter said, that's what you ought to do. You don't respond evil for evil or slandering for slandering or railing for railing. But this is the example that you should follow. And he said, there is no glory 
in that when you're buffeted, that is when you are castigated or punished, when you are punished for wrongdoing and you take it patiently, there's no glory in that. You deserve to be punished. And you did wrong. But he said, when it's not fair, when you do what is right, and yet you are punished for it, and you take it patiently, then he said, that is acceptable with God. I'm going to give you four reasons why we should bless them that curse you, and then we're going to be done here. Number one, because Peter said, that's what you've been called to do. For this purpose, ye have been called. For what? To bless those who curse you. That's your calling. You see, this is not an option. It is a command, and it is something you've been called to do. It's your vocation in life as a Christian that you bless those who have cursed you. And see, you will never see an enemy again, an opponent again. You'll never see him the same way again. He will not be an enemy to you, but you'll wake up in the morning and see someone who opposes you or hurts you and not look at him as an oppressor or an enemy or an opponent, but you will look at him as an opportunity to fulfill your calling. Now you wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Jesus, because you've placed in me an opportunity that I may show forth the love of Christ to the world. That people through my actions can see you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Number two, because Peter also said, hey, you have an inheritance of blessing awaiting you in glory. So why, why do you pay attention? Why do you pay attention to what people do to you now? Your source of blessing is not them. There is a blessing. Let, let me illustrate this to you, uh, if I can. Several years ago, I went to a San Francisco Giants game. Barry Bonds was still playing, and it was the year that he was about to break the home run record. And I sat about three rows up, I mean, from where Barry was playing over in left field. Yes, there were bleacher seats. And, uh, and we sat up there, and, and I mean, we were right there we I mean he was just right there but the guys that sat uh two rows in front I mean they sat in the first row and those guys had brought out big old props with needles and signs and they had I mean they had it all and they kept chanting at Barry you know Barry steroids Barry steroids and I mean these guys kept getting up and going Barry and, and, you know, and steroid this and steroid that. I mean, they were just going in on Barry, right? And the whole time, my blood is boiling. And, I mean, I'm like two rows behind them. And so they're screaming at Barry, and I'm screaming at them. Sit down! And they're like, Barry this! And I'm like, you're this! And, and we're having, and, you know, and they're having a time of their lives. But, I mean, I just, I hate. I hate injustice and I hate people. That, so here I was and I was trying to defend, you know, and some of my, uh, I was with a couple of pastor friends and one of the guys said, bro, you need to calm down. And I said, no. I said, you don't get it. You ain't black. <laughs> we got We got to stick. We got you know, I got your back, dog. And so... <laughs> And so I, I looked over, and, I, and I'm just, I'm mad, and I'm, and I'm going in on this guy. And, uh, and, and one of the guys said, bro, uh, let, me, let me just explain to you, because Barry would turn around, and, and this, would, this would make me even angrier. Barry would literally turn around and look at them as, I mean, they're red, and they're like, ah! And Barry would turn to them, and he'd wave. And smile. He'd wave and smile like nothing is going on. And then he'd get right back. And he'd, as a matter of fact, one of the times he caught a ball and threw it right at him. As though, I mean, as though, you know, you're, you're not doing anything to me. And it was making me so angry. So one of the guys held me down and he said, bro, do, do you not see Barry in the way he's reacting? And I said, yeah, I don't get it. You know, and, and, and so he said, bro, calm down. See, this is the deal. Those guys right there, I mean, look at them. 
those guys work at Walmart. And if you work at Walmart here, we love you. We do. I didn't say it. It was. And so these guys probably had to save about three months to get those tickets to get here and to do what they're doing. But Barry, does he really care with these guys? I mean, does he really care? I don't think he knows what a Walmart is. See, after this game is done, Barry goes in his $500,000 car to get to his $28 million mansion somewhere up in the hills. Do you really think that Barry has time to care about what these three guys are doing to him right now? And it hit me. It hit me right then that Peter said, this is why you bless those who curse you. Do you know why? Because this world is not your home. It's not. Like, we, you pay so much attention to what happens in this world, to the petty things of this world, as though this world was everything there was. And what Peter is saying is 10,000 years later, you're going to look back and go, what in, what was I doing? Did I respond? Are you serious? Is that the way I was responding to those things? Who cares? What, you know, they talked about me. Look, and look what they did. And look what they, they had. And look at it. And they say, who cares? You've got an inheritance of blessings awaiting you in glory. See, when this game is over, when life is fully over, you've got a home that you're going to, uh, streets of gold, uh, where, where you'll never turn old. Uh, you have a home that you've got to go to, and you cannot pay attention to what's going down out here. Finally, the reason why you bless those who curse you is because he said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I will repay. And friends, can I please tell you, because I, first of all, because I've done it, but can I please tell you, do not make the same mistakes as I have done, which is I say, yes, vengeance is yours, Lord, but I'm here to help you if, if, if you can use anything. Use me. Take my hands and my feet. Amen. And so I've done it. You know, I'm like, Lord, vengeance is yours. I just want to remind you, Lord, all-knowing God, that they cross the street at 3 o'clock in the afternoon every day. I'm just, you know, that's all. That's all I'm saying, you know. Oh, man, a semi, perhaps. Here's here's the deal. He said, vengeance is mine. I was listening to a, a lady doctor, and she was saying that to curse is dangerous to your physical, spiritual, emotional, and psychological health. She said, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, and holding grudges cause high blood pressure, low blood pressure, allergies, hair loss. Amen. We need some of you to come up to this altar. (laughs) The Lord is dealing with some of you right now. Uh, Fatigue. And, And she said, This was so interesting because she said that there are people who will exercise and diet right. They'll go to their doctors, and the doctor says, look, we can't find a key. We don't know what you, I mean, we've ran all the blood tests, all the blood work. We've done the MRIs and the x We don't find where, where the source of your pain is coming from. We don't know what you're talking about. We don't understand your fatigue levels. We don't. And she says there are people, you know, they're walking up the steps and they could barely make it and they're going, but why? I exercise and I diet. And, I'm, and she says so many of these things are not caused by sickness that doctors can see in a test. They are caused by pain that is Firstly, coming from the heart. 
unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, and holding grudges. This hatred game. So she said it will cause nervous breakdowns, depression, suicidal thoughts, nausea, migraines, cardiac. I mean, you just panic attacks, cardiac arrest. You go down the line and all of this stuff will cause all of this. And so here's the deal. Why do you want to live with that curse? Why do you want to live with that curse? When God said, give it to me, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Why do you want to do it? See, the, the problem is bitterness has never, ever killed anybody. Your bitterness cannot kill your enemy. It cannot. And here you are, and you're, you know, but, but, but this is, someone said this, and it, it has always stuck to me. He said, bitterness is like you taking the poison and expecting the other person to die. Because bitterness has never killed anybody. But you, you're killing yourself. But your bitterness is not killing anybody. I don't want to be insensitive to anybody's troubles here and anybody's plight or situation here. But can I, can I just be real with you, just real honest with you? While you're out here going, ah, that man left me and my children and look what he did and how he tore me up and tore me down and, and I hate him and I can't stand him. And blah, blah. Uh, guess, what your, guess, guess what your man is doing right now? He's having the time of his life. And guess where you're at? And I hope he, I hope this and this and this happens too. And sometimes they don't even know that that's how you feel. He could care less. Many times it's not like this. Sometimes it's like. Amen. We're here to encourage you this morning. Amen. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is you've taken the poison, but you're expecting him to die. He's not dying. He's not dying. You're dying. And the Lord said there is a curse coming upon you, and the only way you can overcome that evil is if you open up your mouth and release them verbally. Release them. Overcome evil by blessing them who have cursed you. You overcome evil by saying, Lord, I, I know it's painful and it hurts, but here it is, and I give it up to you here. I'm going to take two minutes, three minutes, 30 minutes. Now I'm going to take, I'm going to take four minutes and I'm going to, I'm going to try to give you a quick story here and then I'm done. I was, I was speaking in, uh, uh, somewhere in Texas and, uh, it was a subject similar to this here. And after I was done, uh, the crowd was really touched and there was some, you know, towards the back who were, uh, weeping, and I saw how the people gather around and all that stuff. Anyway, I went to the pastor's office it, uh, after about 30 or 40 minutes uh, of that. I, I went to the pastor's office, and the pastor came back there, and he said, I'd like to share with you why, you know, the, cr the crowd has reacted the way that you have, and, and you don't understand this, but uh, we've dealt with something that's that's been crazy. He said, see, the last year, uh, the guy that's being prayed for right now, and, and, you know, that's him, that's his wife, and they're being prayed for right now, and, and the church is, uh, you know, praying. But they're not really praying over bitterness that is, they're praying over, they're rejoicing at the fact that this has already been done. Let me tell you the story. See, that guy used to be my assistant pastor, he said. And about a year ago, he had a moral failure. And... Um, when his wife, who was a woman of prayer, discovered this moral failure, she came to the church 
And that's the first thing she did. She came to the altar. It was, you know, afternoon. No one was here. And I saw her weep and weep and weep and weep. And uh, she was, you know, casting her cares upon the Lord. And she didn't know what to do. And she just wept. And she felt so betrayed and so hurt. And so she said that, uh, or he said that when she, uh, as she was doing this, she felt like the Holy Ghost began to talk to her about blessing those who had cursed her and doing good to those who had done evil to her. So she went back home, and they talked about it, and she said, look, uh, we're going to seek counseling. We're going to go to pastor. We're going to go back to our church, and we're going to make this work, and we're going to go. Well, long story short, when all this stuff happened, uh, she said, um, you know, this guy came up before the church and uh, in a members-only meeting, and he just bore his heart. I mean, he just, he just let the church know, this is what has happened, and I so apologize. Um, I, I know, I don't know if ministry is ever for me anymore, but don't cast me away from the house of God and the fellowship of the saints. Uh, I want to be here. I want to work, um, you know, and, and he was very, he was genuinely, genuinely uh, uh, re remorseful, but also he had a repentant spirit. And so he says, I mean, the last year, he's the first one to get here, the last one to leave. He has no position in the church, but he does anything that is asked of him. Uh, and their marriage is stronger than it's ever been before. And they sought counseling and prayer, etc. But he says, you know, this woman is a woman of God. And so she uh, in, in her devotional time, she was praying one day, and the Lord spoke to her again and said, um, I'm not done with you. And she goes, no, 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 yes, yes, you are. I mean, I, I went, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're doing great. And I went, and I, uh, you know, we talked things out. We, we, we ironed stuff out, and, and everything's right, and yes, you are. And the Lord said again, no, I, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. And then she realized what he was talking about. And she went, uh-uh. Nope, you are done with me. We are done as of this minute. She said, you know, I will go. I'll forgive my husband. But no, that which I will never, ever. Well, basically... <laughs> She got up from there, and she went back to this lady's home whom had had the moral failure with her husband. And she knocked. You know, I could almost imagine as the lady, you know, opens up the door and sees her, said, oh, 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 Shanane, go bring me the Vaseline, girl. It's, all, it's about to be on up in this piece. <laughs> um. But she said that as, as, you know, she was startled at first, but then she said, no, I'm, I'm not here for that. She said, I, I was praying. The Lord impressed on my heart to come and to talk to you. She said, I, wanna, I want you to know that I hold nothing against you. I want you to know that you guys have hurt me deeply, but that I forgive you. And that if I've ever caused any pain in you, that I also want you to forgive me. And I want you to know that, you know, this, this lady was a lady from the church where, where they belonged. And so she had kind of left and not come. To, she was so embarrassed at, at uh, everything. She would not come back. And she said, and the Holy Ghost would have me to tell you that you are not allowed to backslide. Not on my watch. She said, you know... Um, you're going to come. I'm going to personally pick you up every service, and we're going to come together, and we're going to become spiritual partners, and we're going to pray together. And so the pastor says every single service the last year, this lady goes and picks up this other lady and brings her to church, and they get there 30 minutes before service, and they get there and they pray together, and they sit together. And he said, see, that's her husband, that's her, and that's the lady. They sit together in service. And, she said, and he said, he told me, 10 years ago I got to this city, 
And he said, 10 years ago, we got here and we've maintained the crowd, but we've never actually had revival. And so he said, you know what? 10 years ago, or uh, right before all this took place, I talked to my family and I said, you know, we have not seen the growth that we're expecting. We've maintained. So I think that someone else could come and kind of continue this. And maybe uh, there's another style. Maybe God has somebody else for this city. And maybe we can go and plant another church or, or take on something else. And we, we were planning on moving. And so uh, because we thought our ministry had plateaued. But he said, um, when this happened, and when she went back and forgave this lady, it was as though a black cloud was removed from our church. And all of a sudden, people that we had not ever witnessed to started coming in through the doors. And he said people from both from all three parties' families started coming in and saying, look, we have heard what happened between them and we know this is the true love of God and this is what we want in our lives. And they started coming and he said, we have almost doubled in attendance from that time when we thought that, you know, I thought, oh my, you know, my assistant pastor has done this and he's so loved. I thought this was the end and people are leaving me and people, you know, people are flaky. And so I thought that's what was going to happen. He said, no, we have actually doubled in attendance since all of this happened and people are coming left and right and they're giving their lives to Jesus Christ and it was only Almost as though when a blessing was uttered, she overcame evil by doing good. And the Lord reversed her curse. I pray this afternoon that I am done, but the Holy Ghost is just beginning. Would you lift your hands all over this building right now? Father, we come before. And um, there's several here in this building, in this sanctuary, that have come here with emotional needs and emotional baggage that they have carried for way too long. And I pray, Jesus, that by your power, that you would be able to go deep into their hearts, their emotions, their emotional needs that you would touch, oh Lord, and that you would reverse the curse and that you would put it in them to go back and make things right. We realize that we live in a broken world, in a world filled with, filled with struggles and pain and suffering and vicissitudes. And even now, there are people who have come here, Lord, and They've been needing a spiritual surgery way down deep in their hearts and minds and souls. Oh, great surgeon, oh, great master, would you reach out even now and would you touch those who have come here hurting and abused and pained and who have suffered a whole deal and afflicted in body, soul, spirit, and heart. But I pray, oh God, that you would change their lives that you would open up their understanding and even their mouth that they may invoke a blessing upon those who have cursed them and that they may be freed forever on this day by your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Today I'm going to make a specific altar call. I want all of you to come, obviously, but if you can. But I'm going to make a specific altar call here and I'm going to ask those of you who will be honest enough to say, you know what, preacher, I really needed that because there's some things that I've been holding on to for some time that I need help with. And I need the Holy Ghost to help me with his commandments. I need this. I need to release. I need to let go. I need to live the abundant life in Jesus Christ and let go of some of these things and this pressure that's been. I want to pray with you today. And I believe that there is a God in here that can release you even today from this 
this, this suffering that you've been feeling, this, this, this burden that you have been carrying, the Holy Ghost can release you today from that burden even now and give you a clean heart and a pure spirit before him and a contrite spirit that is clean and pure and holy today. Would you make your way down here? I want all of us to come, but I want those of you who need specific prayer, would you come right here, right at this front, in the middle area here, because I'm going to, I'm going to pray with you specifically here today. We're going to pray that God begins to deal with you in your heart. Would you just come all over this building? Perhaps you don't know the love of Jesus Christ just as of yet, but I'm here to tell you there is a power from on high that is able to deliver you and release you even today is able to release you from this, this great pain and this great trouble. Would you just come all over this building? If this is your first time, please come make your way. We want, we want to pray with you as well. We want to pray with you. Don't you feel ashamed? But there's some things that have got to let go. If you don't let go of them, they will dispose of you. If you don't kill it, it will kill you. I'm telling you, if you don't kill it, it will kill you. So would you come? Would you be a part of this? Would you just come all over this building? Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see how great, how great is our God. 